0: Yeah, he gave us half of the supply of uh, of dogel on Mars, so at the time that was that was worth a lot. God, I'm I feel like it cracked a billion. I can't remember exactly. Um, when I think when we got it, it was our holdings. Yeah, but like our holdings were somewhere around half half a billion. But it, it appears that uh, microgravity is able to create the uh, sufficiently stressful conditions to accelerate the aging of tissues in some respects. Others we're doing we're doing a data science challenge right now on aging on biomarkers of aging and that's one that's you know it's pretty low risk for people to participate in all they have to do is is you know show up with a with a computer and some expertise and then and they can work on it it's very different though than uh you know a hardware or a wetware sort of challenge where to even participate probably costs you a million dollars i like my analogy for it is it's like a spam filter so except for imagine if like in the 90s when you know you got thousands of erectile dysfunction emails every day but there was no like spam filter or like you know send me a thousand dollars and i'll send you you know whatever um but you're you were not sophisticated enough to realize that those were not real messages and you had to respond to every single one of them and do exactly what they told you to so that's a, to me the immune system is a little bit like that we have all of these signals that are going out there and you know the immune system is just going like You got it i'll do what you tell me to and it ends up protecting zombie cells and protecting tumors and doing all the things that you know it's
1: not supposed to do and today we're joined with dane gobel co-founder of the methuselah foundation where sense got its start with Aubrey de gray he's also on the executive committee for biomarketing aging consortium which we get into this episode as well steering committee for the longevity prize and sheep in chief at we sheep can fly today we get into methuselah's billion dollar crypto deal cutting edge research feeding people in space sends de Gray, michael levin and even answer fan questions that you all wrote into in advance let's stay curious on this episode of learning with Lowell.
0: learning with Lowell.
1: what's the story with dogecoin <laughs> i see it everywhere oh, with you
0: oh, okay well so we have nothing to do with dogecoin it, actually mm-hmm. dogecoin was kind of cool so we um so goodness gracious let's see here so the story with it was it's a it's a token called doge on mars Hmm. so it's uh it's not dogecoin um but it doesn't it does does include a shiba or a pseudo shiba um so what the story was uh or is that back in was in a mid 2021 um vitalik had received vitalik had received an awful lot of uh, uh usually it was it was a kind of an obscene quantity of tokens usually oftentimes like half of the supply or just like some really, really significant figure uh, when when folks were, you know, releasing a new token. So they would just send a whole bunch to Vitalik under the, the assumption that he wouldn't do anything with it. It was just going to sit there, probably wouldn't want to have like the tax burden of ever having <laughs> done anything with it. Um, and so in, in mid-2021, uh, for whatever reason, he decided to take a lot of um, of those those sorts of tokens and distribute them to different charities so he took a whole bunch of shiba inu and he gave it to uh, india covid it was a crypto oriented but india covid relief charity and then he took um yeah it was it was a bunch of different charities we talked to uh talked to a few of them because we were all kind of in a similar situation of huh, well, how, what are we going to do with, with this? Um, but in our case, yeah, he gave us half of the supply of, uh, of dojo on Mars. So at the time that was, that was worth a lot. Um, of course, you know, it's a little bit like, uh, you know, it's, a it's kind of like, uh, Schrodinger's, uh, donation, you know, the, the, the more that you look at it you're not sure if it's going to, uh, die, you know, <laughs> like it's a, it's kind of a, kind of a strange one in terms of, like, it's not, you know, like somebody sent us a Ethereum, which has a, a you know a lot of liquidity and you can do something with. It. So it was difficult for us to know what to do with it. But at the time, you know, it seemed like we definitely I mean, we definitely weren't going to dump or anything like that. We didn't want to hurt um, the community that was there. Um, you know, we try to be decent people. We care about other human beings who are, you know, risking their finances you know, on something Uh, so we didn't want to we definitely weren't going to dump. And so we we talked for quite a while to try to figure out how to do it. And basically we we came up with a slow divesting uh, sort of plan. Um, And then so we started doing some of that um, early this year. And then um, by the end of the year and I can't get into too many details, unfortunately, um, but there was a group of very uh, I'll, I'll just put it like very, very aligned to the community folks to the DogeLong community folks who um who decided to buy the vast majority of our holdings so okay. so basically that's we're still uh you know we're still supportive of the community um you know where we can be but um most of i would say like for for 2021 and 22 it was a very very good thing we made a lot of wonderful friends uh in the community but of course we're not you know crypto is not central to what our organization is meant to do and so it made an awful lot of sense to um, to kind of steward it for for as long as we could. But then when when somebody showed up who was going to be able to take the ball and run with it uh, better than we could, then it made sense to to give it to the folks who who you know where were crypto is their their bread and butter and they know what to do mm-hmm. with a, with a token like that. So I mean, you know, I I'm a I'm a huge fan of, of Vita Down what they've been able to accomplish in terms of kind of um, you know using using crypto to. You know, make it easier to fund longevity science. That's absolutely fantastic. Our approach has been a little bit different there, um, and so I'm I'm happy that they're that they're able to, you know, do what they're doing. And I'm happy that the the Doge Long community, I think now, is going to have um, a better um, group of folks who are who, who have enough skin in the game who are able to really kind of take it to where it should go for that community. And then I'm I'm glad for us. It's it's certainly enabled us to to do what we do what we do. It's it's helped to fund a number of different things, and we have. I mean, we can maybe talk about it later, but we have a number of different uh, programs that we're working on now. And I don't think that that would have really been you know unless something else had happened. But I don't think that that would have been uh, possible if not for Vitalik making that donation and for the community, the Dogelon community being cool with us. You know, being uh, you know being in the room with them. You know, so we're very we're very very grateful for for, uh, for it happening. It certainly was not something we expected. Uh, it was very kind of surreal in a lot of ways. Um, but I, I think that the outcome is has been really good ultimately for everybody, um, especially given, you know, how how lousy the, you know, the crypto and the bio winter kind of was these last this last year or so. It's been kind of tough for a lot of people. So so I think we're kind of I mean, both both communities are kind of coming out from that, it seems like so. So that's nice but we managed to, we managed to survive 2022 together, I guess, <laughs> or
1: 2020, the, uh,
0: 2022,
1: 2023. I think it was worth like 400 million, right? The, if I was reading it right, something. Yeah. Wrong it right? Was, yeah, yeah. the, uh, the whole, the whole token was worth, I mean, I think it... at any point in this conversation, if you find value in it, please subscribe. It is hugely beneficial and it tells Google and everyone out there that this is content worth watching. Thank you for everyone thus far who has commented, liked, subscribed and told their friends.
0: God, i'm i feel like it cracked a billion i can't remember exactly um when i think when we got it it was our holdings yeah but like our holdings were somewhere around half half a billion but again it was it, it's not like it you can't access it like that so it's not like mm-hmm. that's really yeah. what the fair market value is like it's yeah very, very, it's very like
1: it, it sounds like when people uh get on elon musk case for being worth a lot of money and they don't realize like it's not liquid it's not cash yeah yeah like, exactly not sell a spacex stock or whatever i think you could right. take uh loans out against it or something like that for like low interest. And that's kind of what you do. I don't know. What yeah. to do. I'm not a high now worth individual with, you know, uh, billions either. of dollars. So I don't know what you do at that point. Uh, but I think uh, from what I read, you just like kind of take loans against it. But I imagine you can't do that with crypto. There's probably not uh bank confidence in it.
0: It's one. Of, yeah, it's it's really it's it's definitely one of those where. Um, it's a lot. I'd say it's trickier. It's it's definitely mm-hmm. trickier um, for sure. And, you know, it's it's can be it can it's very, you know, Wild West. There's a lot of stuff that the, you know, the regulations are a little fuzzy on. And so there's no shortage of folks who will, you know, make, uh, you know, will, will make proposals and you start really kind of feeling icky in your gut about what it is you might be doing, actually supporting. It's like, oh, we'll write you a check for this and that. And you're like, um, oh, you might be, I, I don't know exactly who you really are, but even if this is technically legal, I, I don't feel comfortable doing it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's yeah. Just, you know, so it's a it's a it's a strange, uh, strange space to be in. It's great when in when it enables good things to happen. Like there's a lot of uh, impact investors who are in this space and are doing really, really good things. So I'm not knocking crypto. I think it's fantastic. Um, But it is, you know, tricky to to navigate, especially when you're kind of you, if you're especially if you're kind of like you're coming from really like the equivalent of like a retail investor, you know, where it's like or that's your level of familiarity with the space. And then all of a sudden you get a whole lot of it. You're like, whoa, this is, there's a bit of a learning curve, not to just, I mean, the technicals of this stuff is something that you can just, you know, read in a day, you know, I mean, obviously you can get a lot deeper than that, but it's, you can understand the broad strokes, but the, uh, the, the difference in, you know, kind of the way you, you know, the, the difference in the community uh, or the broader community, not necessarily just the community that we were working with, but yeah, it's, it's a, it can get a little tricky, you know, there's a lot of people just yeah. trying to make money and they don't care at all like what happens to the the people that are providing liquidity for them essentially you know so mm-hmm. it's a it's a
1: little tricky yeah, yeah. um uh, well that amounts like basically like the michael j fox operating budget the further foundation which they're oh. like uh I just i really love that foundation so like whenever okay, i yeah. i it's like uh when i do math it's usually in a mcdonald's worker salary or mcdonald j fox foundation sal- <laughs> like amounts it's like that's, you're you're 118th of a michael j order. fox foundation yeah yeah that's, yeah, that's, 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 that's your, my comparison
0: orders of magnitude right it's like yes yeah, yeah. It's yeah. A happy it's meal like uh
1: yeah yeah it will uh uh there's like a football field for acres right so it's like it's uh <laughs> right did yeah. it's either a michael j fox foundation or yeah, the, the cost of a happy meal times a thousand or whatever. But um, that's a it's a it's a lot to come in. It doesn't sound like um, because you couldn't do anything with it uh, per se for the longest time. It didn't like really, like, cha- like really divert you guys too much, which is good. So you could just use it as you could yeah. use it to keep doing the great things that you're doing. But you did mention a minute ago that there were things that were specifically funded because of that. So what were some of those projects?
0: yeah yeah so the I suppose so it's kind of, it's a little tricky to talk about because there's um it's kind of it's shifting a little bit um and it's it's a good problem to have there are some really really cool partners that looks like they are coming in to work with us on a kind of a one permutation of of the thing that we've been working on. but what's the thing that we were working on um we were very interested in using uh, tissue chips uh, microphysiological systems and organoids and that sort of stuff to to create better human models of aging. Um, that's the short version of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of different um, ways to to do it. Um, one of the um, so obviously it costs an obscene amount of money and a huge amount of time, and, and there's a ridiculous failure rate when it comes to drug development. And I think that you know one of the things that we would hope uh, to have happen once the uh, you know uh, microphysiological system. Models are validated not just for toxicity, which is for toxicity prediction, which is pretty close. Like they're pretty much there, um, if not already there, depending on who you talk to. Um, but for predicting efficacy, and so to, you know, to us, like that's kind of the next thing. If if you're able to predict tox, uh predict efficacy with um, uh, with uh, with these MPSs, then um, boy, it sure uh, improves the likelihood of uh, of a drug actually coming to market. And so mm-hmm. when you have Economic downturn, like you have, like we've seen in the last couple of years, excuse me, in the biotech space. Um, you know, this would this would serve to reduce the the risk profile of that industry as a whole. And so, we cared very, very deeply about you know all the companies that are in the space working to try to solve aging. Um, and uh, it's a it you know when there's an economic downturn, you know we we really really feel it because we we talk to everybody in the space constantly. And we, we feel, you know, we feel that pain, you know, it's really, 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 really hard, um, to keep, you know, to keep the lights on and to keep making progress, especially because in, you know, geroscience, you know, in biotech, you know, biotech is already very, very risky, but, you know, geroscience and regenerative medicine also are, are seen to be even, you know, they're even, even riskier, you know? And so, and so I think the, the folks, uh, over there, they feel those economic downturns harder than, than anybody, you know, um, so we're, our hope is to to level the playing field a little bit kind of if we're able to make an impact in uh incentivizing and helping to or incentivizing uh directed work towards improving microphysiological systems with standards that are uh representative of where the regulators regulators want to head um with with those systems um then I think it will um hopefully lead to um Very, very good human models of a variety, of course, a variety of different diseases, but human models, particularly of aging, which of course is the thing that has uh, enormous downstream uh, effects and, you know, reveals itself as diseases X number of years later. Um, And in in having that, then, yeah, you don't have to rely on animal models, which, you know, for a lot of reasons are, you know, certainly not ideal. Um, And I think especially with uh, with geroscience companies, you find that sometimes is is more of an issue. Um, because they're dealing with stuff that's so far upstream, that you go, oh, okay, well, hey, will this work in a in a mouse? It won't. The biology the biology is different enough where it just simply won't. So you have situations where you have a company with amazing technology, and the investors won't give money because you can't. It's like, oh well, show me the animal data, and they're like, the animal data won't work. There's literally no point whatsoever because our stuff is 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 working on. Uh, on mechanisms that in an, in a mouse are just entirely different than how it is in a human, so so it's a tricky one. So anyway, our feeling is that um, if there was better human models um, that didn't actually require a human, um, then we'd be able to uh, lower the cost and the the risk of the you know entire endeavor. Um, yeah, and and so that's a super long winded way of kind of describing the premise for this challenge that we've been developing for a little while. So um, we started out working on a toxicity related human-on-a-chip challenge. Um, and now it's it's shifted towards efficacy. And the idea is to um, use the uh, use the environment of microgravity in space or simul- and, and simulated microgravity to create better aging models, human aging models. Um, so as it is right now, uh, tissue chips generally, they use uh, uh, induced pluripotent stem cells. And so they're really great at creating youth, youthful tissue, but not so great at, at making old tissue. And so the hope is to um, make accelerated aging models with space in the loop, just because there's a lot of reasons why uh, it appears that uh, microgravity is able to create the uh, sufficiently stressful conditions to accelerate the aging of tissues in some respects, other respects not so much. Um, um And I think that would be useful both for proving uh, proving out the 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 value of using uh, microgravity as an environment for for doing drug development and validation, um, but mostly the point is to just simply create better human aging models so that people can do clinical trials before you're doing clinical trials. That in the preclinical phase, you're able to have a very very high amount of of certainty as to what's going to actually happen in a in a live you know human being.
1: Uh-huh. I was just recently uh, an episode with Osen. Matthew uh, Scholes, uh from OSA oh, yeah, and oh, I asked him a yeah, similar yeah. question because uh, in one of his talks he, get, he mentioned that he wanted to be uh, skipping the monkeys for the you know clinical trial. So I was asked right. you know, why yeah. and he was like, yeah, you know, our stuff barely worked in mice. It's not going to work in, in monkeys. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of stuff out there. But you, you do yeah. want like some you want something in that process, something like Oregon chip or, or these chips. Um, I'm a big fan of the stuff that uh, the Vistas is coming out, which I don't know if you have a partnership partner with them. The, but, the, uh, the Vis, the Vis out in Boston. Oh, the Vis, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they're, they're, um, they're, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like, uh, see, I think like Bell Labs is such a beautiful thing in, in history. <laughs> yeah. Like that, just okay. like the engine of in- innovation. Yeah. And so, um, it, it's just really interesting to see like Methuselah, sends I mean, there's a number of them that are just connected to you guys. And then, you know, the fist like places like that that kind of have like little small versions of it, mm-hmm. um, coming together that maybe like cumulatively can be like the, the bell Labs again
0: oh that's cool I, I like that a lot yeah that's great yeah i i, I love i love consortium models i love i'm a huge fan of just like just big old you know make a huge party just bring in the people who are who who have the, the right headspace and have the right expertise and then you can make yeah, amazing things happen i'm i'm really been very happy these last uh this last year working with this the biomarkers of aging consortium which is is definitely doing that it's pulling together a whole bunch of institutions or PIs from institutions in their labs to, you know, to help figure out how to actually validate this stuff. Um, so I'm very, very happy about that. And I love the I love that analogy you just gave. That's that's really, really cool. There's I mean, the one thing one of the things that's really, really great about the um, longevity or geroscience community is that in in the modern era and like the early tw- 2000s, when it kind of showed up was that uh, it it came from a very like impact mindset. So sometimes the ideology of some of it has gotten in the way of 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 adoption, but it having a certain amount of ideology um, at the outset, I think, made for an environment where more people felt like they were doing something for the greater good. And so we're probably more collaborative than in in some other spaces. So, you know, it, it had very much like a, uh, you know, a nonprofit sort of ethos. You know, so there's like that was kind of what it was. It's was like you had a, a group of nonprofits who were trying to make an impact and then they started collaborating with more established research institutions to try to, you know, get the the research that they felt was you know going to be useful, you know, actually done in a way that was reputable, you know, because in the early 2000s, I mean, you know, you talk about this sort of stuff and it's it was, you know, you get laughed out of the room, you know, so it was it was difficult to to, you know, to get it to the point where it was it was taken, you know, taken seriously. Scientists were doing the work, but there just weren't a ton of them, and you know, and they, you know, they weren't necessarily, um, you know, convening in a in in a way where there it felt like a community, you know. So now, you know, thank goodness it's uh, it's there. There's there's loads of folks doing it, and and everybody knows each other, and they're all trying real hard to get the job done. And it's very it's very very nice to very very gratifying to see, you know, where it's where it's come over the last twenty years.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, the uh something i noticed when like uh when things go from being collaborative to being competitive is usually when money and ip is involved and so uh, yeah. this is something i was going to talk about later but happy to address it now but uh how have you guys it seemingly from the outside you know like I, I don't i don't get to you know see all the work that you guys do to do this able to navigate through that that that, like that um the sticky part where like a lot of people when it comes down to the negotiation aspect of like you know ip and money or whatever you know for the support. Uh, that usually is where like, i've uh i've done like this on the higher side of it where like someone would be like yeah i'm really excited to work with you and then you get down to like the numbers and it's like wow mm-hmm. uh then it all comes out you know like the, the real like brass yeah. tacks of things um <laughs> yeah. like i was working uh just like a fun story because I, I love this guy uh, i still talk to him he's, he's a fun fun person but um we were early stage startup and uh he's like oh i really love early stage startups so, you know i get that you have to be scrappy so it's more you know you expect more equity than like." Uh, salary comp. it's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, but, but, so he went through the whole hiring process. And at the end, he's like, yeah. So I'm, I'm good with like half a million. <laughs> half a million oh. dollars. <laughs> it's just like, dude, that's not, that's like our whole seed. Like, we get, get out of here. Yeah. It's like, it's like, uh, he's like, and, and like a third of equity. it's like, okay. Well, uh, we're, it's... we're like really far apart. Is that like an anchor point? Is this like a negotiation tactic? Cause that's yeah, like a right? really hard anchor. Yeah. Uh, so I, I always like it when, like, uh, it's a fun thing. But, uh, yeah, yeah. how do you guys navigate that?
0: Well, the first thing I'll say is that you just—I um, mean, it's just people. So you 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 have to—I don't know—if you have to talk to them for long enough, where you try to reduce your likelihood of surprise. <laughs> for one thing, you try not to work with assholes, and uh, and you have to get to know them so that you're and check your intuition, you know. But in general, in general, I'd say that we've been very, very, very lucky um, to to work with good people. Uh, And like I said, you know, a lot of the people in the field, uh, the majority of the people in the field are not motivated, certainly not purely by money. I mean, obviously they have to keep a roof over their head and they care about their careers probably, you know, it's not so bad, but they're not, they're not like, it's, you know, psychopathic, uh, you know, mega hyper capitalist sort of people. There's maybe like, you know, one or two in there that you kind of like, you know, be careful with but in general like everybody's everybody tries to get along and um and be collaborative um and so it's been it hasn't been too it hasn't been too difficult um and i think also i mean you know uh to be fair you, you know the field is small enough you know where there's not as much like there's more room for for cooperation than trying to balkanize things um um but I don't know. It's, it's a good, it's a really good question. I think, um, I mean, one, one thing that we're, and and again, like, you know, I should, I should say this, that like, I think on some level we are, we're less exposed to this. I mean, we work with a lot of companies, you know, but most of them are not worried about competing with other companies in the space. They're more worried about just literally being able to talk to Big Pharma or talk to the next group of investors or something. There's not an enormous amount of competition or there's enough difference between what each company is doing where they have something to offer that's distinct. You know, if it was up to me, like every company in the space would get the funding that they need to because they can self-organize and they can say, hey, we're going to go down this avenue and we're going to go down this avenue. And yeah, it might have the same overall label or something like that. But they're sufficiently different where you can go and you you can create value and you can create impact by, you know, by going down those different rab- rabbit holes, you know, so, um, so there's that. And then again, um, you know, for, for us, you know, we're, we're totally impact driven. So for us, um, I mean, we have to keep the lights on, but when we make an investment in a company, the f- the first thing that we, we look at is if it, if everything goes the way that it's supposed to, and we can support them um, the way that we would, that we'd like to, if we're able to deliver, like we're actually able to help them out. Um, is this the kind of thing that's going to make like a massive difference, you know? Is this actually gonna gonna make that impact? So for us, it's like, sometimes there'll be a company where it looks like a surefire thing financially, but if we don't think it's really gonna be deeply impactful, if it's just gonna be something to make money off of, like, we're not gonna do it. It's like, it's gotta, it's gotta show that it's gonna really make a difference. Um, so we have the advantage of being able to do that. We're not, you know, we're not really a VC, you know, we're mm-hmm. foundation, we make a lot of investments and we did, have a, a few years ago, we had a kind of a small kind of boutique, I guess, uh, fund, which, um, you know, that we, we we put together. And I can't. I think the hope for that was in a lot of ways is to pull in other angels, and kind of expose them to, to what it looks like to actually, you know, kind of be, be part of a fund where you actually are, you know, doing diligence on a number of companies and saying, oh, Okay, no, this is kind of what a longevity fund actually looks like there, like, there weren't a whole lot in that space, I think, they if like, remember correctly, I think Laura Deming had the first one, uh, which is a few years before the Methuselah Fund, um, but we had been investing, you know, pretty much that through that whole time period as the, as the foundations, you know, proper. So, um, but, uh, I'm not sure if that, I, I think I got, uh, cause kind of long winded and maybe I lost the, lost the thread, but
1: no, I, I, I think it's a, it's a good uh, overview. The, the, um, it, it gives me a good like launch off point to ask you like follow up questions. Um, so, like uh, Y comedy for instance on one level it's like are there is there a standardized approach for for deals like i think for a lot of people when they're doing seed round um they do like a safe because like Y why is kind of pioneered that and mm-hmm. so i'm i'm always curious like uh lisa from sense uh mm-hmm. how she negotiates things like ip uh transfers and stuff like that is like mm-hmm. probably the like i haven't uh it's like really really smart it's probably like the coolest thing i learned all last year is like <laughs> her, her structure and how she thinks about that because usually wow. what uh what i've noticed is like usually it's like People just hand it over, uh, and then walk away. Which is like in in biotechnology, there's a you know, there's a Bob Langer, uh, there's George Church, but Bob Langer has this great story where for the longest time he developed the IP and he handed off to someone to build, you know, and it would always fail because the person would be like, oh, the first the first struggle is like, all right, I'm gonna go do something else because they didn't right. have the they didn't yeah. have the care. And yeah. so what? And then he started just all right, well, I'm gonna go the full distance with it. And he's probably one of the greatest biotech innovators of our time. And uh, was with, with a great deal of success. I think he owns like fifteen percent of Moderna or something like that. But mm-hmm. um you should see his office. It's like full full of like trophies, uh, like a uh, plaques from like saving people's lives. But uh that 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 scope of like taking it the whole way and like kind of shepherd things through, mm-hmm. yeah. and creating structure so you can do that is something I'm very interested in. Like how do people do that, and especially yeah. when they're doing it well, like what you guys do. Like, like oh, how, well, do, how do you like shepherd it through? Yeah.
0: Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, for us, we don't have so with sense is a little bit different because they have more. Um uh so like so Sens got started at methuselah and we were mm-hmm. very happy uh, to you know work with that program and aubrey and everybody for the, the first chunk of time and then it made an awful lot of sense for a lot of different reasons for the organizations to to split uh or to for sense to be spun out however you want to put it um because they were focused on being a research institution so a research institution generates an awful lot of ip um, mm-hmm. we were more interested in, in doing challenge development and then being mm-hmm. able to do more just like direct investment into, into different companies. Um, so we haven't had to worry too, too much about doing tech transfer. Um, mm-hmm. but there has been times where the companies that we've worked with do different licensing deals like, uh, and things like that. Um, but I think that in terms of kind of what you were getting at is, yeah, in general, um, you don't want to just, I mean, unless you're just sick of working on it and would rather have the money than keep working on it, it's way better to, 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 to keep it as an interest on some level, you know, if you've made something, if you hand it over to somebody, yeah, there's a very, very high likelihood that it's just going to fizzle like that, that mm-hmm. happens all the time. So if you really, really care about something you have to, you have to, you have to stay. And so, you know, one way to do that is to, to take a board seat, you know, something like that. Uh, another way is to just simply, uh, you know, keep bugging them. <laughs> you can just keep emailing them, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of different things. Uh, that that you can do, but I I feel like Sense has done a great job with um this the spinouts that they've had. So I know like Cyclarity was was one of theirs, and um, Mike Cope and and Oki O'Connor, they're absolutely fantastic. Um, and I think they have they've 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 got to have a good structure for for how they handle uh, doing tech transfer.
1: Yeah, the uh, well in terms of challenges, which are always fun. The how do you know? Um, I guess it's probably like a math thing, right? Like if you have like a thousand dollars and you know you know. Like, you probably only can give out like a certain amount for a certain amount of people. But I'm always curious in that uh the analogy of like turtles, right? Like you have to like lay so many eggs of turtles for them to get down to the beach to mm-hmm. potentially be successful. Yeah. Uh and to grow up to be an adult to make more turtles essentially. Mm-hmm. So like, how do you um what what does it actually go into like structuring a, a prize or a challenge so that you um can have like actual good things come from it. Because uh, there's a lot of times where you'll hear about a challenge yeah. been administered, right? Like mm-hmm. someone's saying there's a like, $250 million to do this or whatever never really hear about it again like what's happening there
0: yeah well they set the prize pot like way 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 too high and probably didn't have mm-hmm. a, a an ecosystem that was established enough to do any of it so i mean so there for challenge development there's i always forget the guy's name and it's really a shame that i can't remember off the top of my head it's a really important thing that he did but came up with uh <clears throat> he was at nasa and he came up with the just like the four g's to help you you know kind of a little bit of a mimetic for what for what it is that uh, makes up a challenge or properly incentivizes a challenge and it's gold, not surprisingly. Um, it's guts. And that's, it's got to be kind of hard, you know, like it's got to be sufficiently challenging, like it's an actual challenge. Um, it's uh, glory, obviously, it's the the PR that you get from it. Uh, gold, guts, glory, and good. Yes. And it's got to be, uh, has to have some sort of impact. It's got to be something that's not evil. It's got to be a, like a good thing to do. All of those, depending on what kind of challenge you want, you know, you can change the levels of which which one feels the most important. You know, mm-hmm. um, and really, it's just you have to have like some sort of minimal threshold for all of them. Uh, good is probably like the easiest because you can kind of intuit what's a good thing and what isn't. Especially if it, you have a, like a charity that's that's putting it out versus say a for-profit company that has just like, hey, here's a challenge. We want you to solve a problem for us. It's really more of like a bounty. Um, but for especially for uh, for grand challenges. The good part is usually pretty easy to, to figure out. Uh, if you're doing a grand challenge, uh, the glory is usually pretty easy because you find the right partners to do it with, so who have good enough PR engines. Um, there are re- there's you know strong reputable institutions that can really do a good job of uh, publicly recognizing the folks who are participating. Um, the uh, The gold is something that usually follows uh, a challenge that's actually hard enough and interesting enough. So if you, if you find something that is uh, like a real, you know, hole, a real problem, a real uh, often like a, it's like a rate limiter, you know, it's something that says, hey, like you've got a lot of people in this space who are kind of doing a lot of different things. I mean, actually, this is the best the, sometimes like the best way um, for a challenge to get done is if you have an awful lot of people who are in a space who are aligned on the the big picture of what they're trying to do and if you can you know usually just by talking to them an awful lot figure out what the key rate limiters are and then uh, organize a challenge around one of those then it helps to just simply focus attention challenges are really a way of focusing attention more more specifically than uh, say like a grant program usually grant programs have uh, have some something sort of broad but they don't have to have specific criteria cooked into them where it's like we've defined the problem so We've defined it sufficiently where it can be used to actually literally down select if we need to, you know. So that's kind of the difference is that uh, challenges are an awful lot like grant programs. They're just extremely specific, um, extremely specific. Um, so if you can anyway, so if you can find a rate limiter um, that, you know, if it's if it's a problem that can be solved, we'll raise all boats and have a strong multiplying effect uh, in terms of, you know, the, the folks who are in the community and the effort that they have to make uh, is now, you know, you've basically removed a huge barrier for them. Uh, that's usually the kind of thing that you want to try to aim at. If you're doing if you're doing something that's a like a proper inducement uh, challenge, um, if it's something there's a lot of other challenges that are they're much lower risk for competitors. And for those, it's usually not such a problem for it to be something that's iterative. You know, so it's like for data science challenges, it's often like that, where you provide you provide them the tool set, you provide them a data set, you say, hey, we're trying to solve this problem or improve, you know, this metric. And then you you sick a community on it. And then you can move that number and improve the efficiency or the, you know, the accuracy or whatever it is that you're looking for in a certain thing. So like we're doing we're doing a data science challenge right now on aging on biomarkers of aging. And that's one that's you know it's pretty low risk for people to participate in. All they have to do is is you know show up with a with a computer and some expertise, and the, and they can work on it. It's very different though than a you know a hardware or a wetware sort of challenge where to even participate probably costs you a million dollars, you know, or or it's some sort of significant figure. You have to be embedded in a very very well funded institution, or you have to come with an awful lot of private funding. So for those, it's much. It's it's much harder and um, to to get it all organized. And a lot of times when you're when you're organizing a challenge like that, the initial premise that you start with because they they tend to take a little while to develop. You know, the initial premise that you start with will often oftentimes like shift over the course of of development. It's a little bit like doing a startup where you're having to pivot a bunch of times, but it just hopefully costs you a lot less money because it's really just like a, a kind of a, a small kind of think tank which is developing the thing, trying to get everything in place. But if if it turns out that the research, like in the course of developing it, somebody else solves the problem where well, you go, well, shoot, we're all kind of sitting around. Uh, we, we need to, we need to do something that's going to take what what now just got done and then, you know, make a new challenge or, you know, figure out what the new challenge actually is. So that's, it's kind of funny. That's what's been happening with the, the last challenge that we did. And it's happened, it's happened before it's like so many instances, uh, if you look at like the, especially the modern history of challenge development, you know, where a challenge will get launched. And then it sometimes will get canceled either because the criteria was set wrong or because, you know, there weren't enough teams and the problem didn't really get solved. Like it it's, you know, it's difficult, but when, when it works, my God, I don't know if there is a better um, economic mechanism for making, for making progress. If you define the criteria, right. And you get the people to show up. Like it's kind of ridiculous how, 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 how good challenges can be
1: in terms of the multiplying effect. It's kind of insane the for finding rate limiters is there well uh, i'm gonna uh, keep referencing the the ocean interview i just put mm-hmm. up this week because his, his his method was really funny but the what he would do is he would tell people his ideas and then wait for them to tell him he's wrong he's like all right great oh, that's absolutely. where my thing is yeah so, one actually yeah yeah so, so so what was the question yeah yeah sorry yeah uh uh the, how do you find rate limiters? Like how do you like because to some extent they're they're kind of like black swans, which are kind of like you you can't find, really find them on purpose. You, I guess. you do it by I mean it's a combination of reading
0: literature, you know, and saying and just doing you know reading reading literature, doing research, trying to create a mind map, talk to your friends about it, and say like hey is this a is this a problem where if we could you know if we could figure this out then a whole bunch of stuff would be unlocked you know so it's that kind of stuff but mostly mostly it's literally just doing community. I mean, call it community outreach, but it's just talking to people. They'll tell you what their problems are. You know, yeah. you go to you go up to a group of people in a, in, a, in a long enough timeline, it will turn into what are all of our problems? We're like social creatures and we like to tell each other about our problems so that we can band together to figure out how to fix them. And so if you hang out with enough people, you'll figure out what everybody's problems are. And that's usually you can usually figure out what a rate limiter is if you just know what everybody's problems are. <laughs> You know,
1: it's, but yeah, it's but a like,
0: yeah, it's really simple. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there are more uh, sophisticated ways of doing it, but it works. But, you know, I'm lucky enough to just be in a community and I can just talk to mm-hmm. people, you know, and that's usually is the fastest way. And it's also and it, it's, of course, it, I, I'm I, I'm biased to to that because I don't have to um, I don't have to do challenge management, uh, challenge design and management f- across like a gazillion domains. I'm focused mm-hmm. on something that I already know well enough the uh, especially the community who's gonna be probably participating in one one way or the other. So I can do that. If I was an organization where I had to, if I was making just challenges for everything under the sun, that's a lot harder. You know, you have to get everybody. And I think XPRIZE does a good job of this in terms of um, organizing, you know, larger events where they pull in subject matter experts from a lot of different places. They'll do big events and they'll do smaller ones too, um, to help develop challenges. Um, um but I have I kind of have, I'm lucky I just have the advantage of being able to just go to the community and just talk to people and
1: then you can, you know, figure out what the problems are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a question I usually ask in the background of my head when I'm talking to someone is like essentially what their superpower is. Um, you know, what, what can they, what, what can they do or what do they know that other people do not know? And it seems like if I were to guess yours, usually I don't, this is like, not something i say saying the interview's it's just like something I write down for fun for myself. All uh, right. I, it sounds like yours would be empathy. Oh, well, that's sweet.
0: Thanks. Yeah. No, well, to, 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 really to
1: listen. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No,
0: no, no, no. Keep praising
1: me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, go it's on, supposed go on. to be the other way. It's supposed to be the other way. I'm supposed to remind you that you're just a man, right? If, yes, <laughs> like sure. like you're true. good at something. I'm supposed to like whisper, you're just a man. You're just a man, just like Caesar. You know, like they had those people, so you wouldn't get too uh, e- yeah. egotistical. Um, but yeah, no, uh, in terms of um, you know radical empathy, the ability to listen to people's problems and then synthesize it down into something that can be then... Uh, made better like that is a very difficult set of skills oh well, yeah, yeah. I, pre-
0: I appreciate it and i think uh uh yeah gosh boy i don't know how to talk about this exactly hmm. i um i grew up in a, a i grew up in a very tight-knit community and but it was also a kind of a complicated community to navigate and so you um it's very i don't know because it's tough to get into it's a very very long conversation um but you definitely—that was an environment in which you had to had to learn empathy. Like you really had to had to learn people, you know. Um, and so I—I uh, I don't know. I've I've found that um, you get an awful lot more done, and people are a lot, uh, and in, people enjoy doing it if if they're if they're happy. You have to do stuff mm-hmm. with human beings, um, and so if people are enjoying themselves and feel like they're doing stuff that means something. And you're, they're doing it with people that they feel are you know they can enjoy the the company of and they feel like they're 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 making a difference in their life like that's kind of what life is about you know it doesn't happen in a vac it doesn't happen in isolation um you can get so much more done if you can get a, a good team together but people who genuinely care about the goal but also care about each other you know if you care about each other then that keeps that going like you were talking earlier about when you, when you have a thing and then you kind of hand it off to someone and it usually fizzles. Like it's because you left the room. If you had stayed there and kept that relationship going, it might've gone completely different. But when you leave things, you leave things and you don't leave the thing. You leave the person who is now, who who now holds it, you know, it's like abandoning your baby, you know? So sometimes there's a good reason to do that. <laughs> but, but most of the time it's like, Oh, that's probably what's going to happen. So I think, yeah, I, um I appreciate you saying that. Thank you very much. Yeah. It's, um, I, and I appreciate working with empathetic people too. It helps out mm-hmm. uh, quite a, quite a lot. Yeah, it's really, and really is just kind of keeping track of what people what people want, what people what makes people feel good. And then it's amazing, absolutely amazing, what can happen if uh, if you can get that kind of if you can get alignment, if you can figure out what you can do to help somebody, and they can help you with if it's if it's for a good if it's for a good cause, if it's for a good reason. Then yeah, if you just try to keep that keep that uh, that engine. That engine running it's like an it's like an innovation engine but with like uh you know happy fuzzy feelings at the same time
1: yeah the uh i i, I it's an often i often remark this that the evilest thing you can do uh is just to treat people well if you that's the, like if you if you're like an evil person who want to make the most money and do well in life yeah you know right just be nice to people like it's 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 uh it's true you know if you think Hey, how, what what's getting in the way of this employee who keeps, seems to keep like falling behind? Like what's 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 going on with that? Versus coming in yeah. like why are you behind like attacking them? we I, I can true. get an answer to that. Get, well, get it's, an it's, answer it's, to that. No, yeah. it's
0: really it's true. It's totally and it's so strange cuz there's been um you know <laughs> I've had conversations with people where, you know, if you know, maybe they had like kind of a, you know, maybe they had a bad day or they had a, a rough childhood or they're rough, you know, and they might be someone who like struggles with um um maintaining a kind of uh, emotional equilibrium Mm -hmm. when they get into a state where they they are agitated sometimes like I've got someone who you know they tell me like you know what if it happens again just please hug me and I'm like man I got to think about that because the last thing you want to do in that moment is to go hug them because they feel dangerous to you it's like actually you're scaring Mm I kind of want to leave the room but it's it's so counterintuitive but it's exactly what you're saying it's like yeah, if if you're if you're able to kind of look look past the you know the manifestation of whatever those things are, the manifestation of those negative feelings, you solve them not by by fighting back. You solve them by solving those negative feelings, which is sometimes just giving somebody a hug. Kind of yeah. kind of different, but man, it's it is a uh, yeah. So if you want to be an evil dictator, you just figure out how to do a, how to how to do hugging at scale, and then. Yeah. <laughs> everyone everyone will just get will will just you know do whatever it is whatever horrible thing that you want you know and then they'll well, get hugged <laughs> well
1: it, it is it is interesting cuz the uh well a lot of people see like the Steve jobs right that yell at people and yeah. um i don't even think i think uh like walter Isaacson like only steve could do that cuz there's like a lot of conf- like he had like was here like so many different things like counteracting totally. you know that deficit Look. of a treatment to people <laughs> Yeah, totally.
0: He absolutely did. He was, he, he was like the mean dictator. And then he had a bunch of like, yeah. nice people to go and be like, it's okay, honey. You know, like, don't, don't, that's just Steve, you know, I can, let's go aside and let's figure out how to solve the problem and all that. So, you know, you know, Steve is, Steve is like, you know, he's a, for, a force of nature, you know, and then he's got a whole bunch of like nice people in the village to help people figure out how to deal with the fact that their, you know, their kid just got struck by lightning, you know?
1: So. Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting to me how often people, um, like uh like just don't put their feet in other people's shoes. Like if they're having a conflict. Like if someone's yelling at me, and this happens every now and again, people like uh, sometimes yell at me, uh yeah. I'll just be like really calm. We're like, so what's this person trying to tell me right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, All right, so like I don't say it because like like that I pissed them off. <laughs> so what are you yeah. trying to say to me? <laughs> yeah. but I just think it's like what is this what's really going on? Like what stubbed this person's toe today where now I'm getting the, the this uh, this negative manifestation of their personality and uh and then usually like a minute later they calm down anyway so but if it's like uh i think of it like babies or like uh this is like not in, in a mean way but like right, if yeah. a baby's crying like if you start crying too like it doesn't really help the baby so like if you like listen to the, like why it's crying uh and you feed it or whatever then it's like it ha- it's happy and it giggles and that's kind of nice you know yeah. But like it like if yeah. the baby's crying you just yell at it, like why are you crying you shouldn't do that <laughs> you right. shouldn't do that but yeah I, I think a lot of, I like I think uh like I don't there's a, a sufficient number of uh, people both uh and I think everyone's a leader in different ways but like uh that will just yell if someone's yelling they'll yell back which is yeah. I think it's fine to, like if someone's trying to stab you it's fine to yell at them like asking <laughs> like why are you trying to stab me is probably like not the time That's to ask that <laughs> question <laughs> it's like what is the motivation behind stabbing yeah me? yeah wait, wait, uh, you know, uh, i just want
0: to ask you about your feelings why, yeah. why are you stabbing me you know i'm sure there's yeah. a good reason
1: <laughs> yeah unless you're trained like iro from like avatar the last airbender and then you can like defuse the situation like help them with life which would be kind of nice but <laughs> right. um, yeah. it it is just like how it is interesting how often um it's such a protective mechanism to not care about other people but mm-hmm. it's all it's like the thing that keeps them most from you know achieving whatever they wanted to do in life yeah yeah
0: it's a it's a tough one it's a really tough it's a tough balance to strike for sure yeah yeah. but i do know that like when you uh when you're when you're lucky enough uh to find you know good people man like that's it's such a such a precious thing like you got, got to figure out you can't you can't let it go you know yeah
1: yeah, yeah. and uh, to some extent you can't even teach it like there's some people where like you can kind of massage it out you know with good examples and stuff and there's some people that's like I, I was working with this one guy or girl um who uh who like And every, he would just be, they would be a a jerk to everyone. It's like, you know, like you're having pride victories. Like sure, you're minutely right in what you were saying, but that person is not going to do their best with how you just spoke to them or like how you try to convince them. Uh, It's kind of like, once again, I I grew up on a farm. So like I use uh, animal analogies, like try to drag a two ton animal and make it drink water. It ain't going to (laughs) do it. Like it it is not going to do it. But if you put like food in, its, you know, near its mouth and you like kind of encourage it, it'll, it'll do what it wants to do on its own. Uh, I think that's like what you said earlier about alignment. Like that's what a lot of leadership is. It's like listening and finding what people want to go, and then kind of just like helping them get there. Um, yeah, which I guess is kind of like more philosoph- uh, philosophy and like. Uh, but it's, it is just surprising me. Often people don't do that. Um, yeah,
0: but yeah. It would. Everything's a uh, a lot easier if you if you, if, yeah. you just, if you try to do that. You can't do. You, there's a lot of times you wish you could do more. You know, but. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. You just, just find, find good people and something that you can do together and then do everything that you can to keep, uh, to help that, help the person do, do what it is they need to do. So yeah. it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just not always easy. God, if, if, if you could just have everything just like a line quickly, but it does, it takes a lot of work sometimes to, to create the right environment where, where that, uh, you know, where that, where that can keep going, you know, like you yeah. can get that set up. But the, you know, keeping keeping it going, keeping everyone, keeping all those relationships going so that they're not just fun, but they're productive. You know, it's a it's a little bit of a challenge. And you know, I've there's been times too where, you know, you know, I think it was like last month. I was so it was right after our symposium. I was so tired and I was like starting to get sick and I started feeling like I was like kind of like losing patience with people and I was like man I need to just chill out and I'm, like I just like slept for like 3 days straight <laughs> and I was like my body my body had reached the point where it was not capable of really doing anything I was like I need to just I need to take myself out of this like game just for a few days you know for the love of god just chill out you know mm-hmm. so so I got sick I got sick enough so that I could just
1: relax <laughs> and get some rest <laughs> That's one way to get vacation days. If you're yeah. sick, you can call in. Yeah, no, exactly. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but actually, just like a quick check in on that. Well, uh, what would you say is that? Is it empathy, or is it the, uh, or is it the creating the conditions, or some third thing that you think that you're not like better than other people, but like that you think yeah. is, like, you're like. I don't know. Great? I don't know. I think um,
0: I'm pretty good at uh, thinking holistically. I I'm mm-hmm. I'm definitely not so much of a laser focus kind of person. I'm much more uh, you know, drink from a fire hose and then, you know, find find interconnected bits and pieces that look interesting. Be like, "Oh, that over there relates to all this and all this and this. Oh, cool." So, kind of I like to try to, I mean, I don't it's not like it's something that I necessarily do intentionally, but um yeah, like just um uh, building kind of internal information hierarchies. Is something that's very, very helpful for for uh, for creating conditions for opportunity and spotting opportunity when it shows up. A lot of the this this stuff showing up is just by continually talking to people and talking to the people that they know and just expanding, you know, just expanding a a network of 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 smart and you know good-hearted people. And then if you have uh you know decent enough kind of mental models of how the stuff connects and you can understand how it might be that stuff connects with from their perspective, then it can be very, very easy for 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 things to kind of just naturally kind of emerge from the combination of paying attention to how the world works, but in particular, paying attention to how the, the world works through the lenses of the people that are in your network. You know, mm-hmm. the people that, you know, they'll tell you what's going on and then you need. So it's kind of funny. You got to keep a. you got to keep like the mental model from what you feel like is an objective mental model. And then you got to kind of try to keep other people's mental models in your head at the same time, you know, to see how they might how they overlap and how what discordancies might actually be there so that you can, uh, you know, figure out how to tweak them or do what you need to, you know. But so I don't I don't know. I also play guitar, but <laughs> that's which is which is fun but uh i don't know so, i'm not sure
1: it's hard for me to talk yeah. about my so, I, I have no idea yeah, the uh, um well um we'll, we'll we'll stop talking about yourself then The we'll, we'll <laughs> uh, there's a there's a fan question uh, right in and i we'll move on to Methuselah again the, uh all right so town Grizzletown. town this person chose a block uh town the, yeah town Grizzletown. town i don't think okay. that's our full uh, legal name uh but <laughs> okay, so, not that the, hey what's they up? have two r- yeah hey town but uh yeah they have two related questions um are there any notable startups that the Methuselah foundation has sponsored recently that you're excited about and i basically merged that into one or or research that you're excited about that you funded yeah sure i mean
0: so um goodness gracious that's a that's a cool one there's a lot of and and there's i mean there's honestly like so much good research that's going on in space so there's you know, it's not just the companies that Methuselah has a stake in. There's a lot of like really wonderful stuff. But I'll I'll say really really quickly. Of course, we're a huge fan of, of Turn Bio. Um, you, I'm sure that they don't need like a huge introduction. Um, they're fantastic and have made a lot of progress over the years. They're doing really really good work. Um, and they do like uh, partial epigenetic reprogramming and can address mm-hmm. like I think I don't know seven of the hallmarks of aging. That's very 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 good stuff. Um. And uh, let's see, I'm a, I'm a big fan of nanotics. We invested in them earlier this year. They're very, very, very cool. You should you should have Lou on he is amazing. Um, so what they do is uh, they do immune phoresis. Um, and it's, um, it's basically, uh, and I'm, I'm going to butcher this, but it's basically like you have uh, nanoscale uh, silica spheres, which have antibodies on the outside, and they can go in and uh, deplete the signaling molecules um, or to the signaling proteins that are kind of floating around. So when you have um, you know, chronic inflammation or you have sepsis, uh, you have cytokine storms, right? And it's just your mm-hmm. immune system in a state of complete freak out and sending a whole bunch of what I kind of, I like my analogy for it is it's like a spam filter. So, except for imagine if like in the '90s when you know you got thousands of erectile dysfunction emails every day, but there was no like spam filter or like you know send me a thousand dollars and I'll send you you know whatever. Um, but you're you were not sophisticated enough to realize that those were not real messages, and you had to respond to every single one of them and do exactly what they told you to. So that's a, to me the immune system is a little bit like that, where you have all of these signals that are going out there, and you know, the immune system is just going like you got it, I'll do what you tell me to and it ends up protecting zombie cells, and protecting tumors and doing all the things that you know, it's not supposed to do. And so what this is able to do is it's without actually putting anything into um, the the cells themselves. Um, it doesn't it doesn't do anything on the surface of uh, of the cells, it actually just goes through and it floats floats around and, and depletes uh, depletes the improper signaling. And so it is very, very, very well tolerated and it's very, very good at uh, ablating tumors without any impact on the immune system itself. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, So, um, so they just had good results. Uh, I think it was published. Well, I'm afraid I can't remember if it was, if it was how, to what extent it was publicly published, but they just had some very, 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 very good results uh, out of the out of the Mayo Clinic um, in in, my, in humanized mice models. So anyway, very very excited about that one. Um, we also invested in in uh, in Mitrix Bio fairly recently. I think it was about a year ago, maybe at this point, point. Um, and they do a, a mitochondrial bioreactor um, for, uh, mitochondrial transplants, which is very, very interesting. So, uh, mm-hmm. I think that one, uh, that one is very, very cool. Uh, let's see who else. Um, uh, Xtherma, are you familiar with them by any chance?
1: Mm-hmm. The last, uh, uh, matrix bio, I didn't know them either. There's a bunch of that you're saying that I didn't know. Oh yeah. My,
0: so it's, so it's confusing. So Matrix uh, Mitrix, and then there's matrix bio matrix bio, I think, uh, just was, it's either a spin out or it was just recently invested in by VitaDAO. So they're different, but there's Mitrix and then there's Matrix. So the one that we... Right. That, we
1: work with that was my, my handwriting. That was the failure of yeah, my <laughs> handwriting. <laughs> it,
0: it, it's, it, confu- it confuses me too. I, I always want to say Matrix and it's actually Mitrix. My, my my uh For like mitochondria. Mitrix. My, my um, um, Xtherm is cool. They are... Um, they came... I wouldn't... Well, I shouldn't say they came out of it, but they were uh, part of this, uh, this, this group of folks that we were working with few years back. Um, So I'll give you a longer story, something that's happened a few times. And the first time it happened with SENS where we had kind of an internal program, which made sense to spin out, or we started working with a a group of people that very easily could become could incorporate and become an independent organization. But we kind of work with them to get them on their feet, you know. And so we started working with this group, um, which became uh, the Oregon Preservation Alliance. So, you know, it was about obviously preserving organs, but generally cryopreserving organs. And so um, this and this was God, this was like I want to say it was back in like 2012, 2013, 2013. Let's call it 2013 when we started working with them. And then uh, we did a lot of a lot of fun stuff together with them uh, for for a few years. We ended up doing like a big White House summit with them. And a lot of a lot of funding got released to. Uh, to different institutions, and a couple of institutions were actually formed out of out of the effort that you know that the, the they uh, that we were we were helping them with, but that they were that they were leading, um, and so a lot a lot of funding was released to uh, for folks working in cryopreservation of organs. And one of one of the the some of the couple of the scientists who are working in that space um, formed Extherma, uh, and they're able to keep uh, organs alive for I think three times longer than they normally would which is kind of insane when you think about how that would uh change the current paradigm of organ waiting lists and things like that um if you know when when their technology is is uh, is is ready to go you know at scale so they've got the they've got the technology i think it's uh, probably just um and you know uh, i wish they were here to correct me if i'm if i'm misrepresenting it all but i think it's it's just a matter of getting the funding so that they can you know continue to scale what they're doing um, but it it seems to me like it completely would uh, would would change the the way that org, the current system of organ transplantation waiting lists and all that works so mm-hmm. so they're very very cool um there's yeah. a lot um if you you probably have you met reason before do you know reason reason no, yeah, i don't think so he's, he's cool he's got one name um yeah <laughs> it's like share
1: uh, yeah I'm what like share i think there's like music yeah yeah
0: just like like share or prince you know like yeah mm-hmm. he's he's literally the embodiment of reason itself um, um but he's got repair bio they're working on uh nash and uh, atherosclerosis um they're yeah known him for a super long time amazing guy uh and you know great company um and there's uh Lucadia therapeutics. They're they're very cool. They they have a uh this is an interesting one because it's more of a more of a medical device. So they hopefully will be able to to get where they need Doug? to faster.
1: Um is it Doug Ethel? It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you know him? Yeah, the, he's on the show. People keep commenting oh, cool. uh to have him back on. Because uh okay. his clinical trial uh, results have not been posted online and they want him to come on and say what the results were.
0: Cool. Well, you should have them do it. It's a great, it's great, <laughs> it's a great company. You should, you should have them yeah. back up. Um, trying to think, there's like, there's a ton of them. Uh, we have a yeah. good relationship. We worked with Organovo f- uh, off and on for for years now. They were kind of the first, I think they were the first 3D tissue printing company. Um, and so we invested in them quite a while ago. And then they have uh, kind of a sister company called Viscient, which is uh, they do uh, assays, I believe, for for drug discovery for drug development. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of really great companies uh, in this space. I'm a huge fan. We haven't invested in them, even though I'd, I'd like to. Jero um, is very, very cool. I think Peter Fedichev and company have a uh, very, very interesting um, perspective uh, in terms of like further, that um, bet may be better, arguably better. I'm not sure if it's better, but it's, it's an interesting way of kind of segmenting the difference between you know what they call like true aging versus something that is more like frailty, you know? So it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's some, one of which they think may, you know, may not really be able to be reversed, but you can halt it, which is still mm-hmm. pretty great. You know, um, it's a lot of, there's a lot of great, a lot of great folks, folks in this space. Um, I met a company in, um, in Riyadh, uh, a few weeks ago at the evolution, uh, conference, um, Called, I think it's uh linked linkity that's that is doing um uh has appears to have a very, very interesting way of of uh of treating necrosis, uh tissue necrosis, which has a lot of applications. But I think in particular, like the most obvious thing when you think about its relationship to aging is is you know people who you know develop necrosis in their hips, for example, and then they they uh you know end up breaking their hip. You know, it's I mean it's a huge cause of of mortality for sure. But there's also um, a lot that can be done, of course, maybe in conjunction with some of the cryopreservation companies that are out there um, to extend the shelf life of uh, of organs, which if you can have yeah. a good organ banking system, that's like a, a game changer for a lot of reasons. And there's now more there's certainly more people now in the kind of the uh, you know, like longevity community who are keen on replacement methodologies, which for a while was not was kind of like considered by some people anyway, kind of like fake, not real, not real geroscience, not real longevity. You know just swapping out tissues mm-hmm. but you know if you can get there it's like it works pretty great you know so
1: yeah the uh so uh, i just I, I remembered uh to pull this up uh steve R- raider is the 4g's guy from earlier uh i wanted to close this tab i googled this earlier because St- okay. you didn't know his name i just want to make sure anyone Thank listening you. in now has Thank this information you. steve raider okay uh yes and then um the second thing is um what uh, are you familiar with like michael levin's work michael levin
0: uh on bioelectricity yes right? yes i'm yeah. not
1: super familiar all i
0: really know is michael levin does bioelectricity
1: and i don't yes. i don't
0: know deeply about it so please yeah well his,
1: his big thing is uh, uh regeneration essentially and um actually i, th- I think you'd love his work he was on the show uh you don't need to watch that so you can go read his stuff if you like the paperwork uh he's very open too about like the same structure that you like to do things and but anyway so uh he's, he's working right now and translating He's doing that thing where he's not handing off, and you know, he's following it through. Where he's working on re- regenerating a mouse's hand, essentially, like regenerating okay. limbs. So they found uh, different ways to like grow organs in different spots. You know, eyes on the back of a, a frog, and oh, it, you get they actually can see from the the eye and stuff like that. Like you know, these oh. crazy things. And so he's working on that. But in terms of regeneration, I'm always very curious. Like uh, um, you know, um, we have, you know, say, preserving organs, uh, but then at the same time, like to what extent? um you just regenerate or you know heal an organ i think i was reading like a couple years ago there's a way to like take a heart they're working on a way to take a heart out and kind of like uh rip out the bad parts and like kind of swap in you know hot swap it in like a, like yeah. a race car yeah. and put it back in yeah, uh, yeah. stuff like that so i'm just i'm always very curious about people's thoughts on uh, regenerative science. if you don't you don't know so i can ask you about your thoughts on him specifically but like <laughs> the, the idea of that type of stuff oh the like, idea of it? i think the idea
0: yeah. is i think it's great I, I to me it feels like a much more um in some ways, I mean, and I mean, I guess, well, I don't know how to put it, but put it exactly because I don't, I don't, uh, I don't want to make it sound like it's better or worse or whatever, but it certainly seems like a perfectly viable way of approaching, uh, approaching things. And there's lots of good work being done in the space Um in terms of, you know, either replacing tissue that you have or, you know, applying something that allows it to, to, to regenerate. I mean, there's a ton of work that's being done in space. So um there's, you know. The, there's like, whether you go like, okay, put a molecule in and see what happens, or it's, you know, fully like, yes, let's grow you a chunk of tissue and transplant it. Or like, I think one that's interesting, Um, God, I wish I could remember right now, but there is a, it was very, I think it was pretty recent, but you know, like when you take a, a piece of young tissue, it's a little mm-hmm. bit like, um, um, it's a little bit like parabiosis, you know? where you take, you know, right. Um, but where you take a piece of young, a young, a young chunk of a liver or whatever it is, and then you put it into, to aged tissue. And it seems like it does a really, really great job of not getting old like the other stuff, but improve, improving, uh, the, uh, yeah, basically de-aging the the rest of the organ. So that's Uh great. (laughs) If we can have more, more of that go on, I, I mean, I'm certainly in favor of it. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, Michael Levin's it's, um, He's like he basically induces the body to heal itself. That's Great. kind of what it does. Yeah, it's really cool. I don't know. And if oh, you read really hey, it, you look, don't like I it. Know. You can let me know.
0: No, it's good. I know what I'm gonna do tonight when I need yes. a little bit of light reading or a little yeah. bit of
1: listening. Uh, I'll be yeah.
0: I'll be,
1: his, oh. Well, he he his was like one of the funnest answers last year. Where um, I asked him like, "Why is it that cancers are immortal but cells aren't?" He's like, "You got that backwards. Why aren't all cells immortal?" <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like it's actually like uh like uh. He has uh, some really cool theories about why uh, basically cells keep other cells in line. Um, but uh, yeah. you, you mentioned necrosis a second ago. Another application of this, and I was recently reading about this, is they um, they put, the there's drug uh, addicts that use uh, some morphine, but a sedative of some kind, and it gets under the skin, and it causes necrosis, and it basically, because they're on the street and stuff like that, and it's really expensive, they, don't, they can't get it treated, so eventually they just lose the limb, and uh, other horrible things. But it sounds like a really awesome op- application there as well, outside of aging. Um, just keep people alive. Uh, there's yeah, there's yeah. tens of thousands of people uh, on the streets who are having literally like it is pretty messed up in terms of carcass right. like eating through their, their body. Um, right. And so it sounds like maybe they, that could be another application if they're listening in. You know, look at uh, yeah, yeah. that as an you know as a as a a place for it. Um, yeah. But uh, you you are you are in uh, quite a lot of things, and I know one of the things we wanted to touch on today is and I can't find in my in my notes. It's uh there, there you go, deep space food travel um oh yeah that's fun yes. yeah so uh, oh yeah go ahead no go ahead you can you can establish it i was just gonna jump in and you know i i have this problem Whoever makes this comment like lol why don't you let them establish the premise <laughs> before just like diving oh, in no. uh it's fine yeah so what 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 for uh what is like bob barker or whatever it is what is space food travel
0: uh so the okay so the current current paradigm of eating food in space is uh these lovely shelf stable sorts of meals mm-hmm. which are freeze dried and reconstituted and all the stuff that you kind of might expect if you've been to like the air and space museum and everyone knows a little bit about space food um but that doesn't work so great when you're talking about long duration missions so that 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 uh you know that paradigm is like okay when you're getting relatively frequent resupply but if you're if you're talking you know a mission to mars or establishing a base on the moon or something along those lines um resupply becomes like a real a real problem you can't really do it it's wildly expensive. And if something goes sideways, then, you know, you've got a Matt Damon, you know, situation and that's not so great. So, um, so they, um, back in 2020, let's, let's say it was 2020. They started our uh, NASA centennial challenges. Um, I think it was, uh, Manzi Rahman and, uh, and Robin Gatens uh, who is, uh, the head of the, uh, of the ISS. Um, and, uh, you know, Angela herblay and some some other fine folks um, started working uh, to develop a challenge around um you know sustainable food systems for deep space uh, missions um <clears throat> as a way to try to move away from the uh you know the sh- kind of shelf stable food paradigm to something that's <coughs> excuse me whoa <laughs> um it's more sustainable. so we're now uh in the third phase of the challenge, so it started in 2021, uh, which the first phase was kind of a design, uh, a design exercise. So a whole bunch of companies and and researchers, you know, wrote basically a very very thorough thorough proposal with you know video demonstrations and everything of the food systems that they were designing or wanted to design. Uh, and then the uh, second phase was them actually going and building it and and producing food with it um, that was both uh, safe and uh, palatable, you know, something that you actually want to eat. And then now we are in the the third phase is kind of, it kicked off, you know, a few months ago, but it's honestly like kind of right now starting in earnest. And the, <clears throat> you know, what we're going to do is we're going to have the the winning teams uh, go to Ohio State University uh, and set up shop there, uh, bring their technology and have uh, student simunauts, which is a way of kind of saying analog astronaut, but it's not like a a full analog astronaut. Like they don't have to live in their room, you know, they don't have to do the whole thing. Um, but they have to, uh, operate the, operate the food production technology, produce food with it. Um, and again, of course the food's gotta be safe. It's got to, um, you know, it's got certain targets on the hedonic scale, uh, for palatability acceptability. Um, and the, the technology itself also has to be acceptable in the sense that it has a has a good user experience. You know, there are, there are targets for how much time a you know a crew actually spends assembling meals and you know caring for the equipment and that sort of thing. Uh, and so you know we we thought it made sense. And this is a so uh, one of the guys on the team, uh, Bruce Link. He's really amazing. He kind of he came up with the term simunot. And I think the the general idea of like, hey, let's actually get students to independently operate these uh these technology to you know ensure that it's uh you know it's uh it's it's capable of being operated um as at you know by not total experts in food production like you kind of want to be able to take it off the shelf look at an operations manual and say okay cool i can do this look at me now i'm turning co2 into protein you know by mm-hmm. pressing the buttons in the right series you know um and, uh, and so, yeah, um, the teams that are now part of it are, I mean, they're really amazing. There's uh, there's there's five U.S. teams, and then there are three uh, international teams at this stage. So there's Air Company out of Brooklyn. Um, so they do a, a CO2 to protein uh, process. They also make jet fuel. They also make perfume. They also make vodka, you know. Um, and then there's uh, Nolux, which is no looks as in like no light. So they have this artificial photosynthesis mm-hmm. process. It's very cool. And there's um, interstellar lab, which um, um, they have, it's like a very, very sophisticated sort of uh, grow um, technology, but it's like very modular. So they have all these like kind of small pods, which are kind of, you can swap them out uh, and then grow different things in a kind of a circular, uh, circular ecosystem. Um, you know, where one, you know, one, the the waste product from from one section feeds into you know the other and that sort of thing Um, so it's very very efficient Um, there's a sated uh, which has a very cool like a centrifuge sort of appliance but it's uh, so it'll work nicely in microgravity and it's it's cool because the one the one thing it doesn't doesn't produce food on its own so um, so it would presume that you'd be bringing a significant amount of food along with it but it does give you an awful lot of variety in terms of preparation which is which is really quite nice so it's in many ways it's a very uh you know you you have a lot of flexibility as as a crew member to eat what you want you know and formulate it how you'd like which is which is nice um and then let's see i'm forgetting the fifth one which I'm, i'm kicking myself now why am I forgetting? Oh yes, yeah, and Colonel deltec yeah, that one's that one's really really cool as well. That's a a uh, that's using um uh like uh, fung- fungi, but it's like a they're I forget honestly exactly the the gosh, it's a very interesting one. It I know it uses um um fungus in the loop. Um, and then you end up with a, a powder that you can then turn into ah, like high protein yeah. powder that you can then formulate into all sorts of alternative meats and, and different things. It's extremely flexible. They make a very, very good cheese sort of analog. They make like very, very, very good, um, soup, pseudo chicken and that sort of thing. Like it's, I, I've eaten their food. It's absolutely, it's very, it's delicious. It's very, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's, it's become, I think my coffee's in running out in my brain. And so I'm, I'm kind of drawing some blanks. <laughs> I apologize. I'm like,
1: what am oh, I Oh, You're doing, doing a great job. No, you're doing a great um, job uh yeah paul it, shapiro does uh with he uses Riza for his uh like uh cellular agriculture all protein stuff it's, oh it's, yeah it's a uh, very yeah very okay cool stuff yeah fungi
0: okay very cool yeah and then there's so on the on the international side there's also another company called Mycorena, which is which is somewhat similar they also use use fungi uh and then there's solar food which is uh which is really really cool it's another sort of you know use co2 to create protein um they have a their product is called solene and they, I mean, they're actually already, I believe, in grocery stores in Singapore. They have, they make a lot of different good foods with it: um, yogurt, cheese, all, all sorts of good stuff, um, pasta. I know they make a pasta, which is very, very cool. Um, and uh, and then Enigma of the Cosmos, which is which which wins the award for for best team name. Um, but it's a uh, it's Gaia out of uh, out of Australia, and Australia does a lot of interesting things with uh, with space food, um, particularly with with plants. So they have uh, there's a a kind of a center of excellence that's now down there called Plants in Space. And you can imagine what they're working on. Um, but it's it's very, very cool. They're they're able to do like remote gene expression, um, not this team in particular, but it's something that I, I'm sure they they could do if they they uh, if they wanted to. But they they're able to kind of rem- I I'm kind of thinking about it almost like upgrading the firmware of a plant in order to get it to produce something different. So from a from the perspective of, of of not just providing nutrients, but also potentially providing some sort of uh, medical intervention, I love the idea of being able to at some point, get a plant to, you know, make a drug for you. You know, if you find out that there's something hinky going on somewhere, and you can't, uh, and you can't send them drugs in time, if you could somehow turn the plants that they already have, into something that could produce the pharmaceuticals that they need
1: it's pretty wild mm-hmm. you know uh is is there um is there uh that qualification is like one of the constraints like the bioavailability of the food itself or is it just the ability to make the food is one of the criteria you look at the bioavailability is is bioavailability a component of what you are sifting for in the competition?
0: I'm sorry. When you when you say bioavailability of the food, what do you mean?
1: Yeah, uh, bioabsorption. Sorry, like your ability to absorb the protein uh, in the substance. Uh, Thank okay. you so much for like pushing it. Just... <laughs> oh no, <laughs> yeah, it's okay. uh, I, th- I thought uh, that's
0: yeah. what you meant, but I just wanted to make sure. Um, the no, I don't think it's something that we're super concerned about. Mm. Actually, um, we yeah. are concerned more about the uh, the the macronutrients of the foods themselves, and then you know which uh, which micronutrients uh, they have of the capacity to provide. So there are some that are more important in space. Uh, and, and that, so, so we'd be more interested in, in those, I think it's C D and, and K. And I think there might be a couple of those that I'm, I'm forgetting right now. Um, but that are, that are particularly important. Um, but the biggest thing is really just, it's, you know, it's adhering to kind of what the nutritional targets are for the astronauts. So it's definitely like more protein, uh, more pro- protein is good. Uh, lots of sugars, not so good. Lots of salt, not so good, you know,
1: but is um is the is, is your marker like inputs? So if they're saying like, "Hey, you need like twenty grams mm-hmm. of protein a day," is it just like can you pr- provide using their systems twenty grams of protein a day?
0: Yeah, it's so we have to measure against the targets, right? So we don't expect that the teams are going to necessarily provide for all of it, but we're, yeah. we're we want to see that they are able to. Uh, you know, provide a meaning, a meaningful portion of it. And it's, and it's part of a function of the overall efficiency of the system itself. So if they have mm-hmm. to bring a whole bunch of extra stuff with them, you know, versus you bring a little bit in and it recycles very, very effectively, you know, it's very different. So if, especially if it's able to utilize the, uh, you know, just what's in the, you know, in the capsule or not in the capsule, but, you know, what's actually in the air itself. So if you're able to use the, the actual, you know, use, use CO2, that doesn't count against you when it comes to, um, the inputs and outputs equation. Cause you're just literally using, you know, the outputs from the, the ECLS system. And it's like, okay, well, they're breathing. Great. Um, and so that's, so that's, you know, uh, the, you know, it's really more of like, what's how efficient is the system and what kind of nutritional profile are they able to? Uh, and again, of palatable food stuff that you actually want to eat. There's a function of how, how, if it's safe, then it's kind of like a, it's safer. It isn't, um, then it's how much nutrition can it provide for uh, as a, a proportion of the meals for a crew of 4 um for x period of time um how palatable is it how easy uh is the system itself able to uh to to operate is it does it have a good user experience and does it is it a, you know how much time does it take to operate and then yeah it's you know how big is it how much does it weigh stuff like that yeah. Yeah, although at yeah. this stage, we're not worried about that too, too much in terms of the actual technology itself, because, you know, we're expecting that, um, you know, if, if, if it were to actually be used on mission, it would have to be redesigned, obviously, by f- folks. But when we when we set the initial in phase one, we had targets that were were pretty aggressive in terms of the actual size of the food system itself. So most of mm-hmm. the teams have kind of followed with that, uh, those like kind of rough con- soft constraints. So it all mm-hmm. it's, it's all kind of like working itself out.
1: Okay, yeah, I I was just uh, curious because the I, I think was, I think maybe absorption could have been a criterion because the a lot of uh, uh, alternate protein the absorption rates are actually really low. So you mm. could you could eat like you could eat like a sam a sandwich made with all protein, you know, risa, yeah. you know, any of these different things, and you could use like you know a hamburger, and you would get like one hundred percent from the hamburger, and you get like thirty percent from like these other things. So, but I guess if you just eat it like three times more, it would be the same thing. So you could just scale it up to solve that problem. I don't yeah, know. It's, don't it's,
0: know. A, it's, a it's actually a really, really good point that you raise. So yeah. I don't know, but, uh, it would be worthwhile to, to dig into. I think you're, I think you're, yeah. you're there. I wish I had like one of the nutritional experts with me right now. Cause then they'd yeah. be like, yeah, here's, here's exactly <laughs> what I think about that. I already
1: thought of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> it's probably, probably been thought about. Yeah. No, it's a, it's, um, a, it's
0: a really, really great point.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, if I'm saying this wrong, the nice thing, I, I was, I was going to comment this earlier. If you say something wrong, I think it's called like Murphy's law or something. It doesn't even matter if I say this right. If you say it wrong, someone in the comment section will correct you. So I, I never oh, yes. like feel the need I'm to sure. be all that accurate. I like oh, I, sure. I do my best, and if I like say the wrong thing, someone's going to correct me, which is nice. Let's um, hey, And then anybody who's listening, this is a team effort.
0: So let's. let's yes. fix it. I've said ninety-nine percent yes. uh, of these things are incorrect. So
1: feel free to tell yes. me how. Find that one percent, and you get a cookie. Um, <laughs> uh, homemade, homemade cookie. If we see each other at a conference. The, will- one. We'll- one, we'll- one other thing is. Um, there's a uh, it sounded like uh cooking time was an efficiency based uh criterion um but the hearth and like the cultural aspect of mm-hmm. making food is also yep. really quite large is there yeah. is there an element to there of like sure you can make it fast but maybe yeah. like there's something in like compiling it that like you get like a bonus for
0: yeah, that's a really good thing. I think that that factors into the user experience piece of it. Mm. So it's like, do you enjoy doing it? Yeah. So not only does it like not suck, but yes, do you enjoy it? So we definitely did think about the the psychological component of sitting and eating a meal and enjoying it, but in enjoying the process of preparing your food. Sometimes I think mm. to myself, it's kind of actually insane how much time during a day you spend um, preparing food, eating food, doing the thing that happens after you eat the food, like a huge chunk of our life is actually when one way or the other uh consumed or related to you know eating food it takes a lot of time um and and it's almost all aside from the last part of eating the food it's all social experience <laughs> so you know you prepare the food together you eat the food together mm. you know. so yeah no it's 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 a big part of it but i think for for us it factors and particularly to the acceptability of the process mm. uh, metric
1: yeah so, yeah i've been trying to figure out crockpots uh, cause like, I like the yeah, idea. of just box. like, okay. you don't like crop box? Oh,
0: no, 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 I don't. Not personally. I, I think that they make too, the food's too wet.
1: You should take, you I, don't get... like, I, I can't figure them out. Like the, uh, I follow the recipes, but they never turn out the way I, I can if I just spend 30 minutes making the thing. Yep. But I like the idea of just like, Oh, I, you know, I have like 15 minute break. I have to stand up or else i get carpal tunnel or something and I, I can make food and I walk away for eight hours and it's done. Uh, but yep. I can't figure it out. But I like this idea of like, uh, of a crock pot where you can like set things up and then the food is made eventually. Um,
0: uh, yeah, yeah. I think, I think that's a, it's a great idea. I would, I would love to do that. I just haven't uh, had good experiences. Crock pots. Uh, air fryers are pretty good though. Hmm. Have you use an air fryer cook fast No. Yeah, they cook fast. Um, and they, they have the advantage of making food crispy. Crock pots hmm. can make crispy food. Everything comes out kind of like a stew, you know, which is nice. Yeah. It's not like you got anything against stews. But they don't have, um, so much of like making food tasty is controlling the amount of water content is controlling right. the water, content, right? So if you can take food out of a crock pot and then like reduce the water and maybe there's, I don't know, I have a huge amount of experience with crock pots. I just remember yeah. you know, being, being a kid and eating crock pot food and it wasn't that great. Um, so, you know, to all the people out there who enjoy eating crock pots, we support you and, uh, I apologize for, for <laughs> you yeah, know, I don't mean to attack your way of crock pot life. Um, but I, I personally have not particularly enjoyed crockpot food. Because, you know, for me, you can always just put something on the stove and let it sit all day. I never understand what the point of the crockpot is, except that what it can like turn off.
1: I once made a amazing potato soup and then I had an interview and I forgot it existed. And then I went back to it and it was nothing but kachar. And it was <laughs> never just like a potato was, hockey puck. I had a spoonful of it and i was like great now i can go do my interview you know? yeah and then by the end of it it was charred and i was so sad oh <laughs> like i called my thing. wife i was so sad but yeah, this this kind of leads to like my rapid fire questions because i know we're coming over to the end but uh yeah. what what is your favorite like i don't know, either go-to food or food that you enjoy because like, like oh, people food is so interesting
0: yeah oh my god man that's tough i love food the first thing that came to my mind is a sandwich because i just ate a really really Good sandwich a minute ago there's something about just putting it all together and just it's like it comes in a thing and you cut it into triangles and you got all those textures all crammed into one bite which is really really nice um i love i love korean barbecue um and i love i love korean barbecue i love dim sum um i love a really good uh thoughtfully prepared french meal there's I mean, some of the best meals I've ever had. Oh, my God. Uh, the food is so, so good. Uh, really good sushi is like that, too. It's just the amount of, like, care and everything that goes into it. It just really feels like you're doing something kind of special. Like, oh, my God, somebody made this beautiful, beautiful thing for me. and It tastes so good. Mm. Croissant. I'd love to yeah. just eat, eat a croissant, like a good croissant, okay. or a
1: really good baguette. Like, it's hard to mm. beat that, you know? I don't know. yeah the, I, I've never had French food but I think that uh, if you've had if you like sandwiches a really cool sandwich you can make and then I ask the next question but the uh, it's a grilled cheese you use like three different cheeses whichever one you want and then you put an oven cooked bacon so it's like really nice on top of it and then you slice a tomato and you like kind of like uh, put the put the tomato on a, on a pan with, with like salt yeah. and pepper on both sides oh, yeah. you put that on there and then you toast all of it and you mm-hmm. and you eat that with tomato soup it is amazing oh yeah yeah, no, yeah, you're It's terrible right. for you though. It's like two thousand calories. Great, I it's think a lot. It
0: yeah, I had a, I had a BLT. <laughs> That's actually what I ate earlier. Is I made a I made a BLT. Oh, okay. So I was like I like you know making bacon at like twelve thirty in the afternoon. Uh, like Dude, you're whole, living the life. A whole lot of bacon. I ate a lot of bacon this afternoon. <laughs> more than I more than I expected. I didn't wake up this morning thinking I was going to eat that much bacon, but I did. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you make a very, very good point. It's very important to put salt on a tomato if you're going to put it with anything. Cause it raises the water content like crazy and like lowers the flavors of everything. But if you put salt on it, man, like put in it absorbs bit. it. Oh yes. Yeah. It yeah. does.
1: Yeah. If I, uh, if I want to really maximize like a flavor profile of what I'm making, I throw tomatoes in it and I slice them just enough for it to absorb because it'll absorb all the juices of a steak. And so it's like, you get like a, like a bonus steak. Uh, with Jesse well, and the tomatoes. Oh my
0: god, I never thought about that. Next time, I'll, I'll put, I'll do the, I'll do the, the, the dry aging, uh, in the, mm-hmm. in the fridge with the steak, and I'll put a tomato on top. I'll put salt and then put a tomato on top. Of it. <laughs> like he's, are these It's beef steak tomatoes. That's why they call them mm. beef tomatoes. <laughs> mm.
1: And then, uh, and then, um, this is a personal question, so it's cool if you want to skip it. But when were you the happiest in your life?
0: Jeez, dude, that's a tough boy. That's a real tough one. Happiest. I don't want to overthink it because that's a real that's a tough one. Happiest man like happiest as in like most content or most joyful
1: like probably the both of those combined is happiness joy and contentment sounds like happiness I think as a family those combined is happiness. I mean I think so I don't know now I'm I'm wondering if what if we have I wonder this all the time Uh, what how many words do I think of and that you think of, and they're not the same words. Like, our definitions of them are entirely different. Like, my shade of red is maybe a little bit more orange. And I'm, like, describing yeah. red as this beautiful thing. You're like, lol, that's orange. You know? But anyways, yeah, yeah happiness.
0: Absolutely. I was actually, I've been talking to a couple of couple of friends that I, I, I have about, you know, AI systems that can help to mitigate uh, some of those uh, dis, discontinuities or ambiguities between, you know, people communicating. And at some point, it'd be really, really nice to have Some uh, some AI emissaries who can talk back and forth to each other to be like, you know, what he really means is this shade of red. And you're like, oh, that's what he's talking about. (laughs) You know, (laughs) but uh, but anyway, yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a tough one. I have a lot of good memories. I don't know. Like, this is going to sound really weird, but I think probably as exhausted as I am sometimes, I think weirdly enough, in terms of combination between joy and contentment, I'm probably happiest now. Because I'm doing, I'm really in. I, I've got a great kid. She's so cool. She wears me out, like you would not believe. But she's like amazing. Like she's like so much fun, and you know, she's learning how to tell jokes and stuff. And that's the you know she you know she's five year olds and five years five years old. And I'm probably a bad parent for doing this, but she's pretty good at Street Fighter now. You know, <laughs> like like she's fun to hang out with. And, uh, and I'm, and I, and I'm very happy to, like, I've got a lot of good relationships. Like I love my family and, and, I'm um, I love my friends and most of the, most of my friends are people that I work with. So, um, but in, in doing things that we all really, really deeply care about. So I feel very, very lucky or, or blessed that I'm working with people that I, that I love and that, uh, we're, we're trying to do good stuff together. And I don't, I mean, there's not a whole... The one the one thing i I wanted this year I I really wanted to try to do is to to really make an effort to to do uh to have to go back to having more hobbies I used to be like one of those like insane hobby collector where I just had like a million things I was always doing and I have a million things that I'm always doing now but they're kind of within a few domains and I and I I miss going and just like coding something for fun or like you know writing a piece of music or writing a screenplay or just drawing. You know, and stuff like that. And I haven't been doing nearly as much of that the last few years. So I do I, – I need to do that more and I need to exercise a lot more. Like I gained a lot of weight um, a couple of years ago. And so I need to fix – I need to take care of that. But, um, you know, aside aside from those things, I honestly I'm, – I'm really happy. Um, but here's – but when I was seven years old, I think if I could picture some sort of like crystalline sort of uh, – happy time in my life seven years old was really 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 good that was a lot of fun just because you were it felt like you were you're kind of like smart enough to feel like you understood how the world worked you know even though you kind of didn't but it was before you started or at least for me you know before you started getting that kind of like pubescent sort of anxiety it's like before that period where like seven to nine you know where it's like it's before you're starting to like who am i what am i doing here you know when when you know kind of puberty starts showing up and you start having to figure out how to like navigate social dynamics but you're it's like you're older than a 5-year-old so it's like yeah that's like that perfect kind of kid age where it's just like just things are things are fun and you're just reading and drawing and running around and you know being crazy um yeah. that was a really that was that was uh that was definitely a fun time and then there was also a fun time when and this was during the you know the stressful teenage years or the anxious teenage sort of time but my my dad had um this is like before um before all the methuselah stuff but um my dad had kind of like semi retired um and he he came back after he you know he had been doing kind of the silicon valley startup thing um for you know for several years and he used to travel an awful lot when i was a kid and then when he when i was like i guess about 12 years old uh 12 13 or so something like that he uh he kind of like semi Mostly, he didn't. He kind of semi-retired. He ended up obviously doing a lot of other stuff later. But there's like this kind of couple year period where he guess I guess you could call it a sabbatical or something like that. And it, it, to me, it felt like you know he was working on a lot of ideas that he he wanted to do, like you know future businesses or different things that he kind of wanted. But we spent a heck of a lot of time together, just sitting around reading comic books and like watching sci-fi movies, and and like that, that was that was like a lot of fun, especially after some of those early years when it felt like he was. You know, gone a decent amount of the time because he was. We we lived in, outside of D.C. in Northern Virginia, and he and he would go. Excuse me, and and visit the West Coast to to work. Like you know, a, a decent amount. You know, and so when he uh, you know, those couple of years where we just like sat around and you know did that, just read a heck of a lot of comic books and watched a lot of movies. Like that was fun. That was a very that was like a fun time, and I had just started. I I was in school. I went to. I was homeschooled for part of. Uh, part of my childhood so like i went to elementary school for that you know first you know well i went to most of elementary school and then for for middle school i started homeschooling and so that was right around the same same time so it was basically me like not doing my school work because i could get like i could get it done in a couple hours and in the morning and then i just had like all day to just like sit around and do whatever i wanted to like mm-hmm. had a lot of a lot of spare time and i got to hang out with my dad so so that was fun
1: yeah And then, uh, what is, this will be our last question. Um, what is a problem, you know, kind of circling back to the first thing you were talking about, like, listening to people and their problems. What is a problem you're having right now that people listening could help out with? Jeez. Or just in general. We don't have to have the solution for it. A problem? God, I don't know, man.
0: Um. Hmm. Well. Let's see. We, um, I don't know if it's a problem. It's not a problem, but, uh, we're doing the, the Biomarkers of Aging Consortium has a data science challenge that we're doing uh, and we want to have lots of people show up. So tell your friends about it, you know, so that's around uh, predicting chronological age and mortality and multimorbidity. Um, and uh, we've got a really, really cool data science library that we put together. Um, that's, uh, it's it's taken, uh, I mean, look, so let's see. There's about 50 epigenetic let's call it 50, around 50 epigenetic clocks out there. It seems like way more than you'd need, but there are like 50. But we, we've we got uh, like 20 of some, like about 20, uh, maybe a little bit more um, of those clocks rebuilt in Python. So that's really, really easy to work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we're going to add the rest of the later. We're also adding proteomics and metabolomics and all sorts of stuff. Um, you can also, it supports like very, very easy loading of, of data from from um, the gene expression omnibus and NHANES and Framington Heart Study and things like that. For anybody who's out there uh, who wants to work with us on it, we, you know, for us, we basically are just trying to open access as much as we possibly can to data sets, to, you know, predictive models of aging and mortality and morbidity, um, various bioinformatic tools. If anybody wants to help out to contribute data or to help contribute code or just, you know, tell their friends or whatever it is, yeah, it would be it would be awesome to to have them uh as as part of the part of the project, you know. It's a very open collaborative sort of thing and and so far it's going really really well, but hey, the more the merrier. We would really love uh love your love your listeners to to show up and help us out or tell us what we're doing wrong or tell us what we're doing right or tell us what we're doing medium, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe that maybe that's the thing that that uh that would be good. Oh, and if if there's anybody out there who's looking to to fund companies uh we have a gazillion pitch decks that cross our deck like uh, our desk like constantly and we can't unfortunately invest in all of them so if anybody who's out there who's an angel or who has uh who's looking to get involved to help support the companies that are in the space feel free to reach out I can put you in touch with just about anybody and help you uh you know keep your ear to the ground about you know what sort of stuff is going on
1: sweet well then I want to thank you for coming on the show today Uh, sharing your passion with us and getting us excited for the future of humanity
0: well thank you so much for having me it was great meeting you Will.